Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Stoked. Always stoked. Love foiling. Love talking to people who are rad at foiling. Love learning. Get to do all that. And today's guest on the show is Kahi Picaro. Instakahi, as you know him on Instagram. Might have another Instagram account. Listen to the show. Tell me what you think. Not sure I believe him. I think there's some truth to it, but I think it goes deeper. But I'm not going to give you a spoiler now. You've got to listen. So what's been going on? I have been riding two things two things i've been testing lately one the takuma kujira 1095 ha really wrapping my head around the limitations of that foil there are not many and trying to understand the efficiency you know i think that merging dihedral with high aspect is a real thing You know, high aspect gives us the efficiency and speed once you start getting down into the thin, the thinner wings like the 120. Um, That's addictive. But then the problem is that they don't roll over very well. The 120 does. That's just because it's so small. But if you expand that out to something that's bigger for, for a guy like 180, 190 pounds, things tend to start getting laggy in roll. The dihedral seems to solve that. And so that's been incredibly fun to feel finally getting it tuned as well too. You know, it seems to, it's taken me um, longer than normal to figure out how I want to ride that foil, how I want to tune it, where foot placement should be. Um, Seems to want a different foot placement for pumping and then surfing. I'm moving my front foot back probably about two inches going from the pump to connection turns. And then my back foot's coming, um, It's a little bit in front of the bolts most of the time I'm surfing that foil, but it is fantastic. And if you get the opportunity to ride it, I highly suggest that you do. Stall speed, comparing it to the 980 or the 1210, it is a higher stall speed than both of those foils. It's a higher stall speed than the 980 from what I am feeling. I'm generally on the Kujira 980 tail. The blunt tail will lower stall speed a little bit, but then it takes away a lot of the efficiency that I really like in that foil. So I'll deal with the higher stall speed and to get the uh, the extra speed out of it. It is a much higher stall speed than the 1210. And... If you compare the pump on the 1210 versus the 1095, I would say that once you are at speed, it is a much easier foil to keep up and and keep pumping. But when you are coming out of the hole, we call it grave digging, it takes a lot of energy. And so on the choppier, more currenty days, if you hit a slow spot and you got to build back up, you can go into a cardio hole there. But on glassy days, when you're just breezing around, it's really easy to stay up. On glassy days, I'm staying up about an extra minute longer than I do on the 1210, which is impressive just because, not that I don't have great cardio, I don't stay up for very long runs. I'm not a Pedigo or Mateo L or even Brian in that regard, but I'm doing solid three-minute runs on it, no problem. Uh, So that's something for me anyways. 
Um, and then the other thing I have been testing is the Alchemy um, converter, fuse adapter, whatever you want to call it. And I've been going Armstrong to Armstrong Mass to Takuma foils. And that's cool. I really like the different feels. And, and I think what I've been most excited about is the diameter of the tail section of the fuse and that super small diameter really allows a, allows a lot of slide in the foam it's amazing you know i never really thought that say the 1210 really bangs well compared to say a game changer but once you get rid of that diameter on the tail section of the fuse it really slides well and i've done some of my my best uh kind of foam bashes on that setup so it's worth playing with it's um it's a different feel. I have I have started to like. I enjoy surfing longer fuses more now, and so the longest option on the setup that I have, and they are coming out with a longer um, fuse uh, tail section of that fuse. So that's going to change things for me. I'll probably ride it a lot once I get that. But the longest right now is fifty nine centimeters, I believe, and it's a little short for what I'd like to ride. And it, it kills the pump a little bit too much for me to where the benefit isn't really outweighing. You know, if I had to go on a trip and I had to pick a setup and I wanted to ride Takuma, because you can't really travel with the carbon Takuma mast. So I'd probably bring that. But um, Oh, and one other thing that I'm testing that I'm absolutely loving right now, and I've just gotten on it. I'm only two sessions in, no clips yet, but the Game Changer 170. And... I have a trip actually I'm going to Costa Rica tomorrow and that's what I'm going to be spending my time on. I'm frothing because it seems, and this is kind of what I was thinking. They thinned out the thickness in that foil a little bit. It's a little bit more HA than the 1260. The 900 is just too small for me. The 140 or whatever it's called. The uh, It's too small for me. It's too much work. And I don't feel like, I don't know. I, it, I love the 1260, the 900. I never really got that excited about. The 170, though, seems phenomenal to me. The pump with the Kajira tail, which is a crazy good tail, is good. I mean, solid good. And then the turns you're able to do on it, you know, it's, it's good. It's really good. Better than the 1260 by a long shot, and that's already incredibly good. So cannot wait to get some days on the water in Costa Rica on that. We'll be towing a whole lot and I might be doing a podcast while I'm down there too. So that'll be insane. Hopefully that one works out. You guys will appreciate it. Um, all right, well, let's jump in with Kahi. It was super fun. He, he was here in Florida for a little bit. We got to share a session, got to hang out. Uh, le legendary dude, super stoked to have uh, learned from him, spent some time with him and great show. It's going to be interesting to see the feedback on this one so no spoilers listen i uh, hope everyone's well have a great christmas and yeah cheers hey oh Thank somebody's you. flying by <laughs> yeah that guy sends it out back he's almost hit the the condo to the left of us a few times Kahi, thanks for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. How is it? It's good now that I've gotten wet. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think about that? <laughs> we just got yeah, that was a workout. That was uh that's not what I was expecting, but you know, like that's what foiling's all about, making the 
most of what you've got. So I still had a great time. That was pretty minimal. <laughs> that was probably a no-go if you weren't here. Yeah, but if that's your minimal, then Florida is probably better than most people expect. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully tomorrow you guys will get some. Give us a background on who you are and what you do, and then we'll dive into the fun <laughs> stuff. Okay. So who am I? I am a mama dad. Okay. I think that's from a foiling standpoint, super important because foiling is perfect for as time like gets constricted and spreads so thinly, being able to get out in the water and get your waves as quickly as possible and most efficiently, a foiling is key. And then second to that was a surfer. So before I had kids, I was just a surfer and a husband, but surfing is pretty much the most important thing other than my family. So I was, I was always in the water one to two sessions a day and um, always looking for the next newest way to enjoy surfing. I've, I really got into alaya surfing. I surfed alayas all around the world, then got into kiting and then got into foiling. I haven't looked back since, but I still, there's that one thing that we can't do very well. Let's get barreled. So I still shortboard anytime the waves near me get barely and um, I'm out there on the shortboard. Did you grow up in a surfing family? No, I grew up in a sports family. Surfing in Hawaii in the 70s, 80s, and 90s was very much a, a sport looked down upon by the, I guess, middle class to elite. And uh, being lucky to grow up in a middle class family, they did not want me to get associated with surfing because surfing meant drugs and hippies and not doing well in school. And I come from a, a family with a last name that means a lot in Hawaii. And we have a lot to live up to. So they wanted to set me in the right way, but they ultimately failed in the part about surfing, but <laughs> they did succeed in me doing pretty well for myself in the long term. What's your last name? And talk about the family history in Hawaii a little bit. The last name's Pocaro. Right. And our family from the Filipino side emigrated from the Philippines. My great grandfather had a boat show up on his tiny island that said, who wants a better life in Hawaii? And I think he was about 16 years old at the time, jumped on board and came across to potentially work in the cane fields. But he he told the the cane fields that he could be a better use doing other things. Uh, he showed his prowess being a handyman and eventually worked his way up to starting a taxi company, a laundromat, a loan business, and uh, was just a hustler, like serial entrepreneur. And I think that, that still remains in our blood. Um, then from my Howley side, my, my great-grand, no, my great-grandfather immigrated from Germany. They made their way to Hawaii and my parents met in high school and still together to this day. So... My family in Hawaii, we're politicians, policemen, judges, lawyers, uh, accountants, financiers, etc. Some of us are in jail. Not, not all of us are good. And even the ones that have gotten out of jail are good now. We have a really good family. And if you're in Hawaii, you most likely know a Pocaro because we're all related. My, sadly, my, I guess it's sad and good. Like my great-grandfather made up the name. When you have a name in the Philippines, if it sounds more Hispanic, you were considered to be more educated and more elite. And that allowed us to kind of lift ourselves up just simply by changing our name to sound more Hispanic, which is totally fucked up, but it worked. And yeah, the, any Picaro in, in the world is related. That's unreal. So growing up in Hawaii, when did you get in the water? If it was frowned upon? 
Yeah, I got in the water starting to sneak out when I was 16. A friend had a longboard that he'd let me use, so I would uh, run down to the beach and borrow his longboard and surf the shitty waves. And I would just fall in love with it. And my parents were okay with it. They weren't ready to buy me any boards or anything. Right. But I was a tri-sporter, so I was playing baseball, football, basketball, all the main sports. But on my free time, I was surfing as much as I could. So, yeah, I think that this, it's really good because it, it, the other sports give you really like a baseline what in athleticism. So I really didn't even pick up a shortboard till I was 18. Hence, you can see it if you watch me surfing on video. If I can get that bug stance, and I'm not the most good-looking surfer, but I can get barreled. And then that's all that really mattered to me was being able to get shacked. And then I picked up an Alaya. And for some reason, it may have been my snowboarding background. That was huge. That really changed my life, that that speed, that feel. I've surfed Alaya like all over the world, surfed it in J-Bay for four months. And like it's that feel, although it seems like it would be super different than a foil, it's actually very similar. Like the speed, the freedom, the friction. They Derek Hine calls it friction free. It's like far field free friction, like zero friction. Although you have this giant board, there's no fins in the way and water repels water. So our like our rough sanded, like this it's not perfectly sanded hydrophobic feeling on the bottom of the board means that the water's just like shooting off the lia and like super like sharp edges just meant that we were we could be on a wave with a short border and we'll pass them like a short border will drop in on me and i could pass them that whole speed feel and then also the, the i guess the hit i guess it, it, this attraction to like being different not being that just like everybody else that's always been attractive to me as well i never wanted to be like everybody else so being the only guy riding a lie at super tubes or in Morocco or wherever I was like, it was super cool. Like I had a great time doing it. So when foiling popped up, I was like, that's something nobody's doing. I'm going to try that. And I fell in love and never really looked back. Did you go exclusively Alaya when you did it? I've never gone exclusively one thing. Like okay. I always bring it back to the shortboard so I can get better. So you've always got, yep. Yeah, I always yeah, go back. It's the only thing I miss about foiling too. But yeah. I live in Florida, so it's not really on offer. Yeah. So it's not like you're missing it the same way. I think if I lived in Costa Rica still or if I lived in Hawaii, I would still do that. Yeah. I'll uh, surf if are good. But. Yeah, at first, it was like really hard going back. Yeah. But I think the more that we shortboard, excuse me, the more that we foiled, the easier it was to go back. It's hard to go back to the potato chips, but like the more fishy boards that was super easy transition now but it was hard at first i ride a mid-length now a lot like a kind of a high performance mid-length and a lot of the lines are this are, are similar and that's a lot of fun and the style i figure is super similar as well talk about your first few feels on foil how you got your hands on one and then at what point did it captivate you enough to know that you were going to be dedicating a large portion of time to it Oh, I, I knew I was I knew I was going that way the first time I saw the Instagram clip of Kai at Cloudbreak mm-hmm. when I saw him double dip the yellow like, board. Yeah, the yellow board. Yeah, like, what the hell? And luckily, a week later, I was in the Maldives with Zane, and um, Zane had one. Zane Schweitzer. Yeah, Zane's rad. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good buddy of mine, and he let me try his, and I was like, this is really freaking fun. So when I got home, bless his soul, let me borrow his. But unfortunately, I broke the board. Like, <laughs> seriously, I, 
I shouldn't say I broke it, my buddy, but I was the one borrowing it, so I was responsible. So I told the Leo, hey man, um, I'm gonna fix this board for you. He's like, how about you buy a foil and I'll give you the board? Or it was something like that, some, that kind of deal. And so I was like, sure, yes. So I bought a, a GoFoil with my buddy, the guy that broke it, and we split it, and that was our first go into it. And I knew I was hooked from the time I saw it. I knew that's what I wanted to try out. Yeah. It was the next thing. Like, and then the, the wing foiling came out. Uh, I had to try that. And then downwind foiling was like possible. I had to try that. And so it's just, it's what, what's next? I, I'm not sure. But at the moment, downwind foiling for long distances is the thing. Is that your favorite right now? Yeah. 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 I, it was fun. So we just got back in. It's meager out here today. It's two feet at four or five seconds, a little north. I thought we were going to get a runner today. The wind was supposed to stay up, but it blew all night and then kind of backed off today. And so we took out uh, Buddy's ski and my little boat, and we were just towing around out back. And I have to say, I was impressed in what I was seeing in you, even in the conditions that we had, how much energy you're spotting and tapping into. Is is impressive. I know that there's levels to this game, and we don't get a lot of the downwind. We get shore runners, which are more like surfing and pumping and connecting in the same direction and with hints of the downwind. But seeing you, Brian, as well, like how you guys are able to tap into more energy, there's an art to it, and it's beautiful. It's cool. I was, I was breathing very heavily, and I was tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have long runs, though. It's just practice, it. man. Like we, we live in Hawaii, and when we get good wind, we try to make the most of it. it it's we're not like Oahu. We're not like Maui that has wind all the time. Like Oahu, the wind will come for three days or two weeks, and then it'll stop. And this, the past couple six months, haven't been that great. So we've learned to go on days that aren't good but just make the most of it and get that exercise so we know what to look for right it's not what you would think you'd be looking for how long are your normal runs like because uh, I, I know sometimes you get pretty far offshore where you yeah can't fall for a little while oh yeah those are the scary ones our normal right. run is like two and a half miles if we're no it's not even that like somewhere between 1.9 and two and a half miles okay yeah, there's we, a run right by our house, the, the, the 80s run, and that's a beautiful run. So you start right outside of Sandy's, and then you go into a blowhole. It's like the most beautiful run, but it's only 1.9 miles, I think. But it's worth every second. And right. you go sometimes when there's barely any wind because there's enough energy just in the ocean creating bumps. I feel like today, if it was another foot bigger, that would have been fun, or two foot bigger, yeah. even without the wind. I was having fun out there for yeah. sure. But yeah, yeah. Better than sitting on your ass. And that's the beauty of foiling, right? Like, we'd all probably be like probably 10, 15 pounds heavier without foiling. <laughs> I'm 15 pounds lighter than I was before for foiling for sure. Yeah. Did it again. <laughs> God dang it. I got my phone and I forgot my computer. Ridiculous. <sighs> Sorry about that, guys. So you said that you kited briefly. Yeah before getting into foiling yeah how come you didn't stick with kiting what's the happen there i got into kiting to be able to surf more like mm -hmm. i want to be able to get more waves and and be able to surf on the shitty days and when foiling came around that allows you to do that with hell of a lot less gear and you get more waves in less time like with you know that there's on my island really, really only two places where you can surf on, on the regular, one of them was more than an hour drive away from me, and the other is pretty fickle. So foiling, I can surf almost every single day right. out in front of my house. So it only, only made sense. I didn't get into kiting to 
fly a kite. I got into kiting to surf more. Yep. Yep. That's similar. I got really into stand-up when I lived in Costa Rica, and it was two reasons. The first was I had hurt myself pretty bad. I had had a terrible fall in a barrel, like a spot called Marbella, this six wedgy sandbank barrel, and I had separated, like, the plural sea, like, on the inside of my ribs from my lungs and, like, terrible rehab. It was, like, a month of not moving, and then, like, for rehab, I started paddling, and so I was like, oh, this is really good for my body. I like this. So that's how it started. And then I realized that if I could just surf like that, I could have access to all these reef breaks that nobody surfs. Our spot was getting crowded out front. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. So there's a similar reason that I got into stand up. And then the foil just blew it all away. It's just so yeah. much better in every regard. Yeah. Just the access to everything. And the whole crowd side is like one of the main reasons I left shortboarding mm-hmm. on the regular, too. Like in Hawaii, I'm sure. Brian's told you it can get kind of eggy um it's crowded and you got to put on these personas and and I had this like persona in the water that was kind of like this angry local guy and it wasn't who I was on land but that's who I was in the water and I had to get angry often even though it was just show that's how I was able to get a lot of waves so foiling I never have to do that so that's it's been nice to not have to utilize that persona to to get my fill of waves so when you had to do that in the water to get waves did that take away from the experience how did you navigate having to be a dick to get access to what you wanted when that's not who you are naturally yeah. I, I i wouldn't say i was a dick i would be the educator like i i was pretty as a kid pretty uh well educated the old school way by the uncles with their fists and their palms Mm-hmm. and then breaking our boards as kids. The kids nowadays have no idea what that's like. I didn't want to have to be that same way. So I tried to be like educative at first. You get you get one pass. Mm-hmm. And the second pass, like you're going to get blocked for the rest of your session or you're going to get sent in. I guess that the way I navigated it, it was a means to an end. Like I had put in years and years like in Hawaii to become somewhat like regular at a spot, like you put in time and mm-hmm. then that earns you your spot in the lineup and your group of three to 10 guys are in this lineup, this rotation. So somebody else shows up and tries to jump into that rotation is now nah, you can go surf the inside where we, we have a, a, a situation here where we take turns and we've earned our, our spot up here. You just got to wait till your turn might be in 10 years. It's just a reality. And yeah. uh, being a local, like, it's a little easier like it's you've got a lot of tourists you got a lot of a hell of a lot of transplants all of mm-hmm. a sudden they've been on the island for a semester or maybe even two years and they think that they're loped but it's just this pecking order that i had to be a part of to get my waves but luckily i don't have to do that anymore mm-hmm. and honestly a lot of the guys out there are super happy too because they just get to jump up a, a spot in the lineup and that's happened on a lot of waves. I know a lot of us foilers, like in Hawaii, like we all came from that. The really good ones came from shortboarding lineups where they were their lokes, and they we don't like it. And now that we're in foiling, that spot is a little bit lighter. There's one less heavy, and the every everybody that's below us got to jump up a spot. This one spot we surf in in Diamond Lighthouse, 
me and Daniel, Daniel Frother Foil Froth or something. Uh-huh. He's like the, he's like one of the best guys uh, on Oahu. Him and I totally don't even shortboard at Lighthouse anymore. The locals say they miss us, but I doubt. What is the uptake of foiling in Hawaii? Like you're seeing the Johns and Nathans, and a lot of good surfers are starting to move into foiling. I mean, I get it. How prevalent is that? right now it's still real small is it yeah john and nate are outlier in our downwind voyager foiler crew we've got zeke lau Mm -hmm. and keikoa casimero we also got underground chargers from tahiti so we've got our fair share but they've been in it at it since almost the beginning Mm -hmm. so the new uptake doesn't seem to be as prevalent as we might think like nate and and John have been foiling almost since the beginning. Their love for downwinding is relatively new, maybe like in the last year or so. And I think that's where their passion is. is it's in the downwinding, not mm-hmm. necessarily in the surf foiling. Makes sense. It makes yeah. sense, I think. And where we're all going is to the SUP downwind. That seems to be like the direction that is inevitably needed to be tackled in order to do these cross island channels these longer journeys because when you fall if you can't get back up you're screwed so learning how to sup foil is the next horizon for everybody in the voyager crew unless there's some way that we can figure out how to get up with our prone boards i've been talking with the boys over at foil drive they think that they might be able to do something but in the end like i I think we're all going to want to be able to just use a paddle and, and get up and be able to do it. What do you think about what Kalama's doing with the hand paddles, bigger prone board type stuff? Super yeah. Narrow. Yeah. I think that's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I salute Dave Kalama. Dude's a legend. So I got my first sup foil board from Robin. Bless him. Dude's a legend and a great surfer. You probably ran into him. He was on the world tour for sup paddling. Robin Johnston. Yep. Yep, so yep. He's my shaper and RJ surfboards. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he shaped me my first SUP board. He'd never shaped the SUP foil board. I think maybe in the world, maybe 10 shapers have actually <laughs> shaped them. It's not something that everybody's desiring. So he shaped me one and I was just fucking cooking it. And like just so fucking just, I don't know, bummed out. I thought maybe this wasn't attainable. Then I tried a Kalama board and I was like, Oh my God, like this actually works. So with the downwind sup foiling, the the board shape is so important. And so Mm -hmm. Robin's making me another one now, but it was Dave who's really figured it out. Yep. And I love the beauty of short of surfing where you can look at other people's designs and be like, okay, I'm going to integrate this into my my thought process and come up with something a little bit different but i see why this works right and uh, for these sup foil boards it's narrowness a little more length and just the way that the the contours of the the rails and the bottom are that make a, a world of difference yeah are you still riding the 1210 you're a takuma guy yeah 1210 mostly when you're downwinding are you a 980 or 1210 980 really yeah so i was a 1210 person for a long time okay but my buddy scotty told me to suck it up that i didn't need it and that the 980 was the one 
And like I had done it with the 980 before, but the 1210 is so easy. It's just, you're just standing there. It's right. like the easiest foil. So I gave the 980 a try and I was like, oh, you're right. Like I, I don't need the 1210 and now I can surf while I am out there downwinding. So the 1210 is just like this. You stand there, you can do some turns and whatnot. You're mostly just cruising. And sometimes you're actually trying to avoid breaching. Mm-hmm. But the 980, you're, you're surfing the whole time. You're doing turns. You're just having fun out there. So it turns a downwinder um, into something a lot more. It's less survival, and it's more having fun. That's so, yeah, sick. I'm a 980 downwinding guy. And you don't tap out on cardio on the 980? There's enough energy to where you're... Yeah, no what, drama. What are your runs compared to what we just did as far as energy output? Oh, I'd say three to five times better than that. Less en- less energy output oh, of, yeah, of what le- you're doing. Yeah, yeah, less energy. Yeah, like we'll do yeah. like less cardio. Pump pump stand. <laughs> like we we are standing a lot more than we are pumping and today we were pumping a lot more than standing. Yeah, probably four to one <laughs> pumping. Yeah. 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 Our best shore runners probably get up to a little over half and half. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you've cut the you've cut the wings off, and that's the question that Kakeyoka Freeina. So chil- oh, you trying chil- to flip the t- <laughs> children of the children of the free world? This is my turn to take over, and he's like asked me, dude, why haven't you cut your wingtips off? And I was like, cause I haven't needed to. So why have you cut the tips off of yours? Did, so I'm gonna flip this back on you. You got to ride it right now. What yeah. did you think? Did you notice? Well, the, the, there were so many differences. I was on like the Alchemy. Armstrong and the Alchemy Fuse, which is rad. Like stoked on their ability to be able to stoke people out on the Armstrong to be yep. able to ride Takuma. But yeah, there was so much less lift, and I don't know if that was as a result of the Armstrong or the shimming or whatnot. But the Takuma twelve ten full setup like glides way longer, so that may have been because of the Probably fuse length. There was a. a it's hard to tell. Yeah. I, I understand the safety issue. Like I was saying, like the waves here, like you're so bashable. Yeah. Like you would get bored just doing turns and, and like pumping out and getting two for ones. You want to smash foam. And where we live, like where I serve, if you bash foam, you're going to get annihilated. There's too much energy unless you have straps on and you're going for airs or something. So there, we're not so fearful of the tips. There's, mm-hmm. The fear is still there but we rarely ever hit our tips. But Kavika has, he's got some gashes and a lot of the guys do have gashes. I've luckily not had that experience. And maybe when I do, then I'll be like, yeah, we're fucking cutting those tips off. Yeah. <laughs> so after I started talking about the tips being sharp, everyone started sending me all of their horror stories of the cuts with the tips. And my buddy, Dave, who foils here all the time, Dave Barachevic on Instagram, good friend. He just sliced his wetsuit and I just gnarly cut on his bicep. Just an easy fall. wasn't even a big deal. So that was, I at that point, I had just rounded the tips. And then I was like, they're going to be gone after watching these guys get hurt. I had cut my wetsuit a bunch of times, put so many holes in my, it just barely touches you and just. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't notice, I feel like the foil rolls a little bit easier. Like it's a little bit better in our speeds someone was chiming in saying when you're going real fast you you want them for drive and i don't know if that makes sense to me it doesn't seem like it would really help that much in drop but i like the ability to roll a little bit more and it's yeah. a little safer i'd give up a little cardio for that i think that would be the difference that would be what you'd lose yeah well so. you guys like have the opportunity to 
as Adam would call it, tune your board. You guys do a lot of tuning. Yeah. And you guys don't. You're saying you ride everything pretty much stock. How come you're not playing with that? Because I found what works for me. There's not like a little thing in the back of your mind that maybe this could be better? There is. Yeah. There is, but I, I rely on people like you and, <laughs> and Adam and uh, my buddy Robbie Miyashiro. It's, you should try this or Scotty. Like usually I just do usually what, what they're like. This right. change made it for me. Right. But I don't move my mast for surfing, downwinding, or towing. And you're on the same foil. <laughs> same foil, 980. Just leave it set up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, some... I think that's like a something to give some of your listeners a bit of solace is like, hey, like you can tune or you cannot. It's whatever. That's the beauty of foiling. You find what works for you, yep. fucking ride it. Because for me, I'm a dad. I've got 45 minutes to get out there, catch as many waves as I can, get home, and make sure the wife and kids are happy. Mm-hmm. So tuning means... I'm coming in, changing shit. I might fucking ruin a session. And maybe it'll make my my situation better down the road. But I feel like I've got it tuned so right now that I know exactly what my board's going to do. But yeah. And I I would say that the Takuma setup, except for the base plate shimming. Yeah. So except for that, the Takuma setup out of the box is the most tuned setup there is. So if you're riding Armstrong, or if you're riding Signature, those actually take a lot of tuning to get a feel that's as good as Takuma, to where it's as balanced, it's not getting pitchy in turns, things like that. I think if you're just on Takuma, yeah, it doesn't, I don't think you go down that rabbit hole. And you see our setup here too, to where, I mean, you're out on the bar, it's really easy just to run on the beach, it takes two seconds just yeah. to move something around. It's yeah. not like the opportunity cost yeah is high to to change a tail shim or move your mast or whatever yeah. we, we, pretty, we've got a long paddle it's a pain in the ass we might it, drop shit in the water and you've got good <laughs> surf which is a little different too yeah so that yeah. makes sense yeah you're on an amundsen right now is that what you're riding no nah, rj oh you're, so you're prone boards and rj yeah okay sick yeah what are you liking in boards? Right now, I, I'm, I like really low volume. Like I ride like a 26 liter for- Oh, um, so small. Yeah, for surfing. So you were on a 25 liter 4.4 on that JS today. Nice. Yeah. So I feel like I for my down, downwind short boards, like for prone downwinding, I kind of want to go like 4.2, 4.4, just to make it a little easier to catch the little chips. Like the rest of the Voyager crew has have, has bigger boards and they have a lot easier time yeah. catching the chips than I do. But I don't have the oh, I, maybe I do have luxury. I should just get another board for that. I don't have luxury, <laughs> but no, RJ hooks it up, so I should probably get another one. Yeah, I've found that actually I've got a trip next week to Costa Rica. I'll be doing a bunch of towing, and your buddy I'm going to go down and tow with keeps telling me he wants me to try out these three sixes and three eights to tell him i don't know like i'm pretty set on i love the four 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 five four six range yeah. of boards i like to be able to move my feet and the whole thing four, four i've had i've gone down to i've got a four oh in the garage that i like a lot it's like 21 liters though so it's a little bit tough to to chip in on but then it pumps so ridiculously easy i mean i think that's the big gain right what do you like about the little four fours or i was yeah I, that's just what i know okay that's what i've ridden for the last two three years four oh at the beginning it was like how small can you get these things and then it it was like okay that's too small bring it back up and then four oh was like the magic number for me but now that 
I downwind so much. I think that I think it's more like a somewhere between a four two and a four six. If you were towing in, would you want a smaller board for downwinding? Yeah. 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 Or if I was towing in into like downwind runs. Oh yeah. Four yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Be easier. Less swing weight out front and right. better drive on the pump. But some of the boys li- like the the weight in the front mm-hmm. um, because they think it, it drives them more forward and gives them more momentum. This is just personal, yep. personal feel. Who inspires you the most when you guys are foiling? Start with downwinding. Like uh, for downwinding, who inspires me the most? I I would say probably like Simeon and and Jack and Scotty the, the Wiz Boogie. Yeah. Yeah, he has this knowledge for the waves. Yo, bro, somebody's getting married. Yeah, something. That's the beauty of living on First Street. <laughs> Action. All night. Fuck. Friday and Saturday nights, people just rolling down the street, music or honking their horn or something. <laughs> Coming home from the bar. Uh, so I think in, in Downwind Foiling, who, who inspires me the most would be uh, Simeon just in his, his fucking wave knowledge. Should I start over again? No, keep going. You got it. <laughs> yeah, so, so for downwind foiling, I, I say Simeon. Yeah, uh, Simboogie is the most inspiring to me, just on his his knowledge of the waves. Right. Um, he can read bumps different than anybody, and that's as a result of his experience utilizing OC ones and, and right. paddling. And his knowledge of the ocean is unmatched He's right in now. OG lifeguard too, right? Yeah, yeah. He, and um, then it would he, be Jack and and Scotty. Jack's just a little freak, and then Scotty's just my bro. Like. Yeah. Him and I shared our first foil together. We met Alaya surfing. Like, we're just close like right. that. So, um, lucky to be able to get inspiration from them. But the whole crew, man, like, ha- having Zeke and Keikoa do it with us. Like, some of the best surfers, like, fucking Zeke's on the CT. And he's just a boy. He's just he's one of our brothers and, and, and hangs out with us and froths as hard of us as all of us. Same with Keikoa. Like... The whole crew is so spot. Interesting thing is it hasn't really grown much. We saw a huge growth in downwinding, and then it, it, maybe it was just a lack of conditions this summer, but it didn't blow up as much as I thought it was going to, and I think it's just because it's so freaking hard. It is. You have to be both technically adept and in crazy good shape. Yeah. I have a lot of way of knowledge in the whole thing. Also, how long do you think it takes from first flight on foil to being capable of doing a downwind run there's probably a lot of guys that are starting right now that are still a year out from hopping on a run yeah i think it's i think it's a lot harder there's guys one guy hit me up on ig like how long is should it take for me to be able to make a kaiko's run there's a lot of these guys that i look up to and they're great surfers and they're not making these runs and they should be Mm -hmm. so my advice to them which I've told them all, they say they're taking it, but sometimes I don't think they are, but it's all mental, like downwind foiling. If you're able to pump out and catch a three for one, you should, you, you have the physical ability to do a downwinder. And that makes up maybe 25% of being able to do downwinders. The rest of it, is knowledge of bumps and confident. Even if you have confidence, you got to have the knowledge and you get the knowledge through practice. But that confidence is super important. As soon as a doubt is in your head, you're done. You're going to 
you're going to run out of energy, you're going to breach. It's really about having that confidence and telling yourself you're going to, you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Or the next time you go, you're going to go a little further and look, even if you make it one pump further, that's growth, right? Like my buddies should be making it. I think that they just need to believe in themselves a little more and realize we're all believing in them. We're this pool of knowledge and resources that want to see them succeed and tap into it. Like we want more friends downwinding with us. We want more females downwinding with us. Like we, it's so much more fun with friends out there. Yeah. Has Annie come over and done any of the runs with you guys? No, Annie has not joined us yet. We have, I think there's maybe two women that have really been seen out doing downwinders with us. It's a small group and there's only in the, we have an A, B, and C team for, right. the, for the Voyager team. And like on the A team, there's probably only 12 to 15. And then this B team, there's like maybe 10 to 15. And then the C team, it's as soon as you crack the code, you make it up to C is for anybody that's trying it. So it's like we have a lot of people that try it and then they just give up. But we all have been at that point. We've all struggled. And if you just put in the time and you believe in yourself and you can already do two or three for ones, you got to be able to do three for ones. Yeah. Then you could downwind. So if I come over to... Oh, you got it, bro. Easy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guarantee. This setup's the same. It's all lefts. You just yeah. keep going left for the South Shore. Yep. North Shore, it's opposite. It's all rights. But you, yeah, I saw you doing it. You, you'd have it no problem. All right, killer. Do so you work your way up? So I got to be there for a week. Start work, work through the teams. Yeah. <laughs> you start on the C team, you, you make your first run, you go to the B team, and you make three in a row, then you make it to the A team. That's how it works? What's the yeah. ceremony when you go from B to A? You get knighted by the wizard. He knights you at the fountain, and uh -huh. you get a hat. That's how you get the hat? <laughs> That's how most people get the hat. Some um, people know people and they get hats. A couple people in Australia that have hats. Yep. Let's talk about something a little bit more important. I like what you do professionally with Parley, and I think it's incredibly important so talk about what you're doing there and give us some facts, figures about what's happening right now in the oceans and what people should think about. Okay. Thanks for recognizing that work. Yeah. I work for Parlay for the Oceans and I also am the founder of Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. Both That's what you do with Zane a lot, right? Zane's more on the par He's both, but he's a Parlay ambassador. Is he? Okay. Yeah. So he gets to go on trips with us around the world to raise awareness about plastic pollution. But I think with what I'm trying to do mostly is tell people at our current rate, we're fucked. The oceans are at risk. I think a lot of people realize that the, the trees and the environment, like they're making all this air, but they don't realize that close to 70% of all the oxygen that we breathe comes from the ocean. So at the current rate- are mostly algae? Yeah, it's primarily algae that, mm -hmm. and you know, phytoplankton and what happens is they create the oxygen. They, they absorb the CO2. So all of our greenhouse gases that we're creating absorbed by the ocean yep. and then it creates oxygen. Same way like trees, like takes in the CO2, spits out oxygen. But we're all focusing on saving the forests, but we don't really think about the ocean. So much energy is put into planting trees when that same amount of energy worked on just focusing on the oceans would be vastly more productive for our long-term longevity of the human race. All of what we're seeing right now, in my opinion, with COVID, et cetera, is a result of the environment saying, fucking humans, you guys are pressuring me too much. Here's a little 
dose to to wake you up. And that's what the increase of storms are going to be. It's, hey, you guys are pushing too hard. Figure your stuff out. Stop contributing so much to climate change. So what I do at Parlay is we work with businesses to prove that it could be more lucrative to save the oceans than to destroy them. So if we can convince businesses to do good by the ocean, that helps with the products that they create and it helps with their ambassadors, it helps with their customers. And we reach it from a different angle versus always just relying on the individual. Individual impact is super important, especially on a large scale, but we need to include both the businesses and the governments as well. It seems like a lot of your focus is on microplastics. I see a lot of microplastic cleanup and all that. What is the time frame from someone leaving a bottle on the beach or the trash dump happening till you're actually even getting the microplastics? Like, what does that life cycle look like? Yeah. And how disastrous is it? The, the scary thing is that plastics, as they photodegrade, as they become microplastic, what's happening is the sun's beating it up and then it starts to fragment. Every single side, the space that's available to the sun to hit is also emitting greenhouse gases like methane. That's one of the worst greenhouse gases around. From the time you can use something and, and throw it out, it can start becoming microplastic in say two to three years. But when it's in the ocean, like you've got the waves, you've got animals starting to nibble on it right. because they think it's food. What happens when plastics in the ocean is it gets diatoms that start growing on it and they put out this gas called dimethyl sulfate that is the same smell as the stuff that fish and birds eat. So then they start eating it and it breaks up even quicker. And so it can happen relatively quick, quickly. But when you talk about the bottles, if you left a bottle on the beach, if a bottle gets into the ocean, it's made out of number one plastic, PET. It'll just sink to the bottom. So it's not necessarily going to break up into microplastics. It's going to be down at the bottom of the ocean for thousands of years. But if you put the cap on, traps the air in it, then it, it floats. That's so, when it starts to break up because of the solar radiation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But PET doesn't fragment as quickly as HDPE, which is the number two. All What's right, an or, example of that? The bottle cap, okay. for example. So like opaque plastic, yep. like that's usually HDPE. Could also be LDPE or PPE, polypropylene mm -hmm. uh, or polyethylene. And those ones break up quicker in the sun. But it, it's really all about just not using that shit. Listen, what's what we're trying to get people is, hey, pollution is a result of failed design. We are just designing everything that we make improperly. I mean, we're not taking the externalities of our inventions into account when we design them. So if we just get people, design schools, engineers, etc., to understand that main factor that pollution is failed design, they'll factor that into how they make things so that when the things are done, it's in some type of circular economy or it'll biodegrade into soil and help regenerate our soils. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I have hope. I'm not a full pessimist, but I do see the current path, especially coming from Legoland just now. We are, it, there's a lot of awareness that still needs to happen. We were talking about Legoland earlier and I always think about, and I've got a buddy that we joke about it. It's like we're, society is moving towards like the Wally, -E, the the kids movie Wally, -E, where people just get wheeled around and drink yeah. their soda. And there was a soda scary, yeah. dispenser, like all you can drink soda dispenser, probably every hundred yards, and people were just chugging soda the whole time. And no disrespect, but there were so many obese people, and we don't see that in Hawaii. I think it's because we 
we're outdoors more, but fuck, we're outdoors here too. But I don't know. We don't have this obesity problem. We do have, don't get me wrong, we do definitely have our obese people. Like I, I would still say like on average, the the average person in Hawaii is a little bit overweight, but here it's on a whole nother scale. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, it also lends to that we're at Legoland, right? Like it's, yeah. you're, you're talking about consumer central. Kind of like a least common denominator type of environment in a yeah. way. I don't, I don't know if that sounds wrong. I've been to Legoland. I was there. Yeah. You know, I went for two days. I stayed at the Legoland hotel, which was freaking cool. I had a great time. My kids loved it. Uh, I call that stuff like cruises and Disney and all. I call it idiot fun. It's yeah. pay a hundred bucks, get entertained, barrier to entry to have that fun. Yeah. And like the, the kids like creating these memories, they had such a blast. And yep. for me, it's like keeping my kids happy, keeping the wife happy means I'm happy. How old are and your kids? Two and five. It's a good age. Yeah. It's just starting times. to get into that. Like I'm about to have a three major. So that's going to be exciting. Yep. We have uh, 13 and 14, about to be 13 and 15. Yeah, so you have real teenagers. Yeah, but they're rad. Yeah. They're really cool. Maybe because of what our family's gone through or something like that, but super open and yeah, Yeah. it's good. So I had another question for you. Okay, hit me. Somebody asked me, are you foiled again? Am I foiled again? Yeah. Everybody thinks you're foiled again. That's because you probably are foiled again. (laughs) I've heard many a rumor it's you, Kai. Many a rumor. Maybe no. that you started it and then passed it off. I don't know. No, foiled again is a, it's an artificial intelligence that is an algorithm created by a few select individuals and it spits out memes mm-hmm. and automatically pl- publishes them. And that's why some of them aren't funny, but most of them are. I actually am a big fan of foiled again. I, I had a moment when I was at the butt end of a joke where I was like, do I like this account? And I was like, yeah, I still like it. I guess it's par for the course. Got to deal with it if when you, it comes it, your yeah. way. You have to, you've made it when you are the butt of a foiled again meme. Yep. Does that mean that the brands that you throw, <laughs> that, that get thrown under the bus all the time have made it? The, the brands just have to take the beat. Yeah. It's, it's free advertising. It's Any PR is good PR. I agree with you. And it's funny how some of the brands seem to have embraced that and you yeah. even share some of the the time that they're at the butt end of the joke and others yeah. don't seem to yeah. enjoy it quite as much and armstrong even i uh, like he blocked me i mean foiled again so he's like he was that just, the slip right there maybe <laughs> so he's he definitely did not enjoy being the butt of a joke but it's all in good fun and hopefully yeah. he refollows foiled again at some point i think that the current What's the way to say this? The the current iteration of foiled again, I don't want to say iteration, but how it's evolved, I think is super healthy for the sport. I think at the beginning it was a little bit snarkier, but it was also funnier. Yeah. But I think that to have a place in the sport, which it currently has, and I think it's top three foil accounts to follow, Kyle Lenny, Foil the World, Foiled Again, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know. Foiled Again. <laughs> Sorry, wrong then order. Kyle Lenny. <laughs> And then Brian. Lord Lenny as uh, <laughs> Matt. And then you've had a lot of imitators too. Yeah. And now that now that we are talking about it, we definitely will be butts of a joke on Foil again. I, I can guarantee it. <laughs> you can guarantee it? You're yeah. the one person who can guarantee it? <laughs> oh, I just know. <laughs> just know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Foil again lets me 
act like I'm foiled again mm -hmm. when I'm not actually foiled again. It's not. It's not me. Yeah, but I do think it's good. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I like how it's like meme drops now too, to where you go a week or two or three without anything, and then you'll get six good ones in a row. Yeah. Someone like seems like they're super busy, and they're like, "I got some time. Let's mess some people up today." Hey, what, can you guys do us a favor for the foiling world and do a how to shim things? Like what negative God, means? So many people what positive have means, asked that. Tail shim. Like people shim your base plate. I get so many questions in my DMs. Do I shim the front or the back? I'm like, oh, it seems like it'd be pretty obvious. But yeah, shim the back. Yep. But shim the front. Go wheelie. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's like, there's got to be like this resource to to help people that want to tweak their that could be really helpful so if this ever becomes a job that seems like work to put that out <laughs> doing the podcast is really fun and i do a lot of other stuff so i'm i don't have a lot of time but it is needed and lots of people have asked for that so get yourself an intern with what money from foiling uh, it'd be <laughs> unpaid, internship. unpaid internship yeah unpaid internship um what are you gonna learn how to host a podcast maybe if maybe if like people crowdsource that seems like that should cost, I don't know, something. Time's not. Time, I, I like to spend my time in the water. Yeah. Who's your favorite foiler out there? Besides you? It depends on the day, man. I'm a big fan of Adam, Kane, and Scotty. I'd say that those three guys I have drawn more from than any other foilers. Yeah. Style from Scotty. Like, I think that it's so buttery. And I like that how Scotty approaches foiling is the opposite of Kane, but they're both beautiful in their same way. Like Kane's super straight up. It's all about letting the foil do the work. Scotty's got a full surf style on yeah. him. And so I try to bring from both of those. And then I think that Adam's done a great job of putting it all together. And he gets so radical in certain places that I think, and also he's like such a big content creator. Yeah. And that's insane. Cause there's not a lot of that. And he creates like good content too where right now everything is just these little clips. Yeah. Like, I hope that at some point, Pedigo has been talking about this. He used to be a filmmaker and maybe doing like a North Florida, like foil video. Cause we got Austin up here and Brian and it could be fun to do that. But, and then the way that Adam draws lines is super cool, like intuitive, but just uh, very solid. Like he doesn't shy away from a really steep section. Yeah. A lot of people are, hanging on the bottom not going up into that lip i try to remind myself to send it into those lips every once in a while i think my favorite foiler is kiola yeah. who, who's he on instagram oh what's his name what is kiola's name All right, i gotta find it right now press pause yeah, there he, is no pause we're running i don't want to edit kiola. i'm looking at him too k-e-o-l-a kiola 702 let me see him kiola sakima he is my favorite by far. Dude has the best Instagram, and he's been with us since the very beginning of foiling. I'm looking at his Instagram right now. My buddy Jesse Salas, who does foundation training with Eric Goodman, is on his Insta. Shout out, Jesse. Yeah. He's, a, he's an animal. He's um, got, like, no foiling clips on his Instagram. He used to always have foiling clips up there. But check him out and get him on this podcast because he would have the – he would – have such good things to say about every and also i know he tells it like it is he calls me a a, a barrel not barrel dodger a, a section dodger a riding brand he likes to ride the same old 
bus up stuff, but he's super entertaining. You should get him on the podcast. He'd be good for this venue. Besides Kiola, who else do you like in the surf? I like Tango too, Jay. Yeah. They're like two styles that are so different than mine. And I like, I didn't want to say Scotty and Adam and, and Kane because those are obvious. And yes, those are like my favorites per, per se. But other than those guys. And then Himana, frequent foiler. Boy's like, yep. he's probably like 190, maybe 200. Even. Sorry if you're, if you're not that heavy, buddy. But the dude like does strapless airs all day long. And, yep. and he rips. And he's a really good downwinder too. Is so. he? Yeah, he's part of our crew. We talk from time to time because I love the signature gear too, and he uh, just yeah. loves that Stealth 200. Yeah. Just froths on that thing. He surfs yeah. it so good. So, yeah. yeah. Jack's a freak. Like, surfing, foiling with him's super, I guess, depressing, actually. But it's fun to try to keep up with a, a 17 or 16-year-old. It's hard to realize that kid could be my son, but he, like, hangs out like he's one of the boys. That's uh, how it is with Austin here, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Austin, I should throw in that list as well, but more on the radical stuff. He's so radical that it doesn't really relate to what I do. Yeah. It's just yeah. upside down yeah. or spinning. Yeah. No desire to really go there. I just want to draw like super fast, clean lines. Yeah. And just... Do you go strapped? No. You're not a strapped guy? Me no. Neither. No. How come? No. I get so much pressure from Brian and Austin to strap up. The waves by my house aren't conducive to strike. I'm saying that, but some of my friends would be like, you're just being a little pussy. I don't really need the straps. I get them. I get the plugs just in case I want to put them on. Mm -hmm. I have a set of straps. I just haven't used them. I don't know. Like the, the waves where, where I surf, I don't surf with anybody really. Like I'm out in the bay mm -hmm. surfing these like really shallow reefs by myself, almost on a, daily basis so i don't ever get the chance really to bash the foam not that many air sections it's mostly just really it's that favorite move where you kick out and then you've got that quarter pipe right there and you're just doing the hardest front side or backside turn that you can and trying to go like parallel to the ocean surface so i yeah and i move my feet around so much yep if i had my feet in straps I feel as though I'd be constrained to a, a type of surfing that isn't necessarily me. Um, not saying that I wouldn't ever do it. Like, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to try it sometime. I just don't do it right now. And that's kind of how I feel, too. Like, you're always, like, and in my life, like, I'm never set in a way. If something else, I get more information, I can evolve. I'm not going to be just stuck in what I'm doing. Yep. So, yeah, I'll try strap someday. But for what I'm riding right now, I don't need them. I feel the exact same way. I think I'm still having so much fun. If it ever gets boring, I'll strap up. Yeah. It's a whole new sport I could take on. I'm yeah. not there yet. There's still like a few things that I really, that are kind of on my list of things to accomplish unstrapped. And then maybe if that gets boring, then yeah. maybe do it. But I still got to be able to do one of those full loops in front of the wave. You can do that already. No, I haven't. I haven't been able like to the do connection that. loop. Like, where, you, where you're on the wave and you go out into the flats oh, and you do that come all the way back three yeah yeah i have a do one of those it might not maybe it's because i'm gonna blame the foil i think it's a lot easier <laughs> strapped probably yeah because you can lean it over <laughs> um, yeah or on a sup because you get use the paddle to pivot yeah yeah i Are think you, you're gonna get into sup foiling so that's how i started downwind sup foiling oh yeah i want to i've been talking to dave about getting a board 
he actually said that he might have a couple one one of the boards he's using right now he has a new one coming and so i might be get my hands on that one which yeah, would be yeah. sick because i think here it would work like yeah. i mean i sup surf for so long like i got sup down yeah i got to the point where i could paddle up on flat water yeah on a big old foil and like on, on yeah if, if so you like, can get up on on flat water you can do it I like, like it just but like sub foiling is for when you're way out at sea and you need it like a shore runner you don't need it no you could just well, catch a wave and yeah 100 percent. yeah shore runner you chip in but i yeah. think we can do real downwinder so when we get like real winds it it gets pretty shitty on the inside but i think the outside would be beautiful like where how far we were out today what I see is getting dropped four miles out up the beach yeah, and just spending the first 30 minutes just paddling straight offshore. And yeah. then you're in blue water or green, brown water yeah. like we have. But I think that'll be all time. And I'm trying to get Pedigo or Brian to get one too because I don't know if I want to be sending those solo. Yeah, but as soon as you're up, you're so far away from people. True. You're just gone. True. Like we try to do downwinders with each other. And it's just, you, you only see dots within do you, five minutes. Do you do a Apple Watch or anything like that for safety? Yeah. Yeah. Not the track, just for safety. Yep. Got like the, the tracking on part, and... just got whatever. But it's mostly to be able to call mm-hmm. if we get into real trouble. Apple Watch needs to solve the issue with not being able to open it up sometimes when it's wet. Yeah. Because I have had a couple moments when I'm on the beach and I'm like tapping the watch. Yeah. Like you can't open it. There needs to be some sort of I know, distress. But... That is a major flaw of yep. the Apple Watch. So, Tim Cook, if you're listening to this. <laughs> I try that. using my tongue sometimes, and it seems to work better. <laughs> I'll just try that. <laughs> All right, so we got about five minutes left. What didn't we cover that you want people to know? Or that, or, yeah, or I, what? I think I think just maybe I, I put out that tutorial about downwind foiling, and, and it got a lot of traction. And I think like it, it's probably time for an update on it. But, you know, for those that have the wherewithal, James Casey has a really good setup where you can learn everything. James is rad, too. Yeah, super good Big dude. Fan of him. He's been helpful for me in my journey with SUP foiling, even mm-hmm. though I'm not really doing it yet. But I've learned a lot just through listening to him. Yep. But, you know, I think, like, some of the tips that people really need to understand when they're downwind foiling, I kind of, like, I definitely mentioned in the first part was that it's so mental. As soon as you get that doubt in your head, you're done. But the other part is when you're looking for waves, like people think that they see a wave that they want and that's not really the wave they want. It's the one behind it. Like the ones that look like good waves, they create the biggest troughs right behind them. It's like the wave is stealing the the actual physical water from the water behind it. And it then creates this trough right behind it that you can just sit in. And then you're just riding it like a horse like the the head of the horse is the wave in front of you and you're just cruising and so that's what i was doing out there today was like looking for the waves and then just dropping right behind them and then Mm -hmm. just riding those so try that that's a that's a really helpful thing and then as an older dude like i'm 42 maybe almost 43 take care of your back like i was getting major back issues with with foiling and it's almost gone now. And it's not actually from taking care of my back. It's from taking care of my hamstrings and my glutes and like really starting to do a lot of squat workouts. Mm-hmm. That has changed my life. Like I, I thought that it was 
like maybe foiling was like I'm gonna I'm gonna just milk it right now, just go as hard as I can because I'm this is it. But now I see the longevity. Now that I've figured out that it was my weak ass and my weak hammies that were causing lower back issues. So that is super key. Take care of the back by taking care of the other stuff. Right. Yeah. I'm. I just gave a shout out to them before, but if you're having back issues, foundation training. I won't yeah. get into any of it now. There's a pod, a couple podcasts that I've done with Eric Goodwin, the guy who figured it all out. But yeah, it's, is it similar to functional patterns? I don't know functional patterns, but yeah. it's uh, probably is maybe. maybe. There, there's two exercises: decompression breathing, which basically creates space in your spine, yeah. along with doing an exercise called the Founder, which loads. Is that the? Sort of, yeah. Like <laughs> squatted forward, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And for me, I can give myself like basically chiropractic adjustments through doing the breathing and the exercise. It's so sick. You can hear it across the room. Wow. Pop. Sick. Took a while to get there, but it's yeah. powerful stuff. You also won a, we got two minutes left, a video contest this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, that was dog shit. Like I just called up Pasha. I was like, bro, I'm going out. Like, I don't have a filmer. Like I lucky to get some content every once in a while, like somebody right. will film me. And so he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll show up. And I was already out there and he just caught a perfect wave. That was a um, sick run. And there's this like legend of Duke Hanamoku catching away from like castles, which is the wave that's right outside of there uh-huh. and riding it into Waikiki beach. And as a foiler, I'm never going to be Duke, but I'd love to try to relive the length of that ride. And so I was like, I'm going to go for it. I've since done longer ones. That wave at Castles outside actually broke the summer a couple of times. And while Jack them were out there with their big guns, I was on the inside with my foil. And I caught a couple all the way to the hotel. And that would have been, most people would say that was Duke's run. And it, it was amazing. How far so, is that? Oh, man. I, I'm a little over a mile. So ridiculous. Um, and I think like the, the contest side thing was like, it was just random. I was looking in and there was this contest running and my buddies gave me a lot of shit saying, Hey, you didn't tell me about the contest. And I loved it. I was like, well, I you, like, I entered the last day that it was open. I found out about it, entered it, crossed my fingers and, and kind of just forgot about it. And then they announced the winners and I won. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And that was I wasn't expecting that, and I gave uh, Posh 250, and he went and donated it directly to Sustainable Coastline, so why dude's a legend. So it was it was a nice little like bonus that I was never expecting. So if there are any filmers out there that want to get some footy and maybe win, come film me. <laughs> one for one. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. It was epic sharing waves and getting uh, re- Yeah, just stoked to, to experience Florida. Uh, the- you need another better day. Yeah, but that's why we foil. It's just even days like today, you still have a good time. You get the camaraderie. uh, You get the workout, and you you go home smiling. So thank you, Mahalo, for opening your house to a dirty Hawaiian. I am grateful and hope to host you in Hawaii. Hopefully soon. All right, bro. Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.